Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you by Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald. Creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Kingsley rolls to the boys, back to Kingsley. Carlson towards no, the lovely no, effort. No, 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 Kingsley magic! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Hartham Midlothian Football Club whose slim chances of trying to claw back third place finally came to an end at Ibrox on Wednesday night. We're back to review that and the game that happened previously against Aberdeen and look ahead as well on this week's podcast. I'm Laurie Dunsire, joined again by Mark Donaldson and all that. Maybe hope that we were just trying to cling on to Mark has finally disappeared. It is. And look, if it was going to happen, I'd rather it happened this way than knowing that if we beat Hibs, there's still a chance that Aberdeen might take something against a Celtic side that looks in free fall right now. Um, and Aberdeen would take something, or even worse, Inverness, Caledonian Thistle beat Celtic to to win the Scottish Cup and we're, we're back to, to where we started. So, yeah, it's it's not the Rangers game at Ibrox. It's not an inability to take three points. It's It's not an inability to take three points at, at St Mirren, albeit that that would have helped. It's 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 bigger picture. We we shouldn't have been where we are right now, where we were, but we are, and we have to learn from that. And it's it's made group stage football in Europe next season a heck of a lot tougher. It certainly has. Obviously, Hearts still in the mix for Europe. They're still in a position that would. Uh, definitely give them European football. Of course, that's still not confirmed for fifth spot until the Scottish Cup final. Everyone does assume that Celtic will defeat Inverness, although with their current form, you never know. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We haven't been back um, for a podcast since the Aberdeen game either because of the timing. We thought it'd be better to wait till both games have played. So we will talk about that match as well and look ahead to a, a big Edinburgh derby. Before we get stuck into the games, Mark, just a, a couple of things to get into first. So Hearts just today, which is Thursday, have confirmed the departure of a few players. Gary McKay, Stephen and Ross Stewart, certainly no surprise there. Um, I think with all due respect, Ross Stewart was signed as a, a squad player and has made a handful of appearances. Gary McKay, Stephen, maybe some slight disappointment about um, his contribution, maybe expected a little bit more from him. Uh, but Michael Smith also confirmed as leaving. Not maybe so much a surprise now at the age of 34 that he is departing Heart of Midlothian, but um, maybe some sadness about that one. I think someone who spent six years at the club, over 200 mm-hmm. appearances, and um, although he's not going to go down, certainly in club folklore as a, as a Hearts legend, he was a very dependable player and someone who's maybe just been 
a bit unlucky on the whole that the teams he played in, um, he, he didn't kind of have that same consistency of performance from players around him. No, always very solid. Always a kind of six and a half, seven out of ten on average. Of course, he had his better days and he, and he had his his poorer days, like like all players do. But Michael Smith will will not go down in Hearts' best every eleven, but he will go down in the eleven of players that gave everything to the cause. And if you were putting together a a kind of eleven based on the they 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 did everything they could for the football club and put their body on the line, that that that's Michael Smith and. I'm I'm sure you're going to go on and, and and mention a player who's agreed a a new contract in Peter Haring, but I think there there has to be a, a stage now whereby if we're looking for up tempo, quick passing, quick movement, we have to look for players that can produce that. And and maybe that's not Michael Smith's game anymore. Would he have been a, a decent enough squad player? Probably, but I think it's unfair on him. I think he probably would want to play. Still, he believes he can play on a regular basis now. At what level? We'll soon find out from from his next move. But from from a Hearts perspective, nothing but fond memories of of Michael Smith, and I wish him well wherever he ends up. In terms of the player you mentioned there, Peter Haring, so you're right, that was confirmed as well today. He has signed an extension, so he'll be with Hearts for next season. Um, Mixed reaction to this one Uh, I I don't know how you feel about it Peter Haring who's certainly had his high points as a Hearts player Mm -hmm. he's obviously suffered with injuries and um, he's not had a regular run in the team until I suppose the last few weeks this season this is a player who after I mean he was brought back for the 2019 Scottish Cup final with hindsight maybe shouldn't have been but he wanted to play Craig Levine wanted to play him Uh, and Ultimately, that that probably set him back up a, a while. I, I kind of reserve judgment on this one until he's got a proper preseason behind him at the same pace as as everybody else. Because going back to the Michael Smith conversation, if we're zipping it around, and that's what I think, whether it's Stephen Naismith or a new manager will insist upon. I just feel that in the last couple of games, he's been a little bit sluggish. Uh, and and he slowed things down a little bit and three passes instead of two or three touches instead of two, sorry. And it's not having a go at, at, at Peter Haring because for me, he'll be a squad player and, and a pretty reliable squad player next season. But when everybody's fit, that's not something we've had this season because if Benny Benigami had, had been fit, I'm not sure if um, if Peter Haring would have played alongside him every single game with Cami Devlin as well, if you're playing the two in there. So for me, Peter Haring, a squad player, at best next season. Um, but if he gets back up to speed, then he would certainly be in, in contention for, for a weekly spot. Just just right now, I just feel things slow down when they go through Peter Haring in the middle of the park if he's partnered with Cami in there. So Peter Haring will be at Hearts next season. A few players departing, so they could make a final appearance. Certainly Michael Smith, you would think, would get maybe some game time in that game against Hibs, but that might come down to how how tight that game is so we'll talk about that towards the end of the show but of course we'll focus on to the games that have taken place since we were last on you're listening to scarves in the funnel sponsored by forest hepburn and mcdonald signs who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s so first up let's take things back to 
the weekend. Now, we're not going to mm-hmm. go into a deep dive on the, the hearts Aberdeen game, but definitely one we want to speak about at the time. A, a crucial game. It's a real must-win for Hearts if they were to have any hope of being in the mix for third place going into the final week of the season. And I think it's in terms of team selection for this one, probably the best set of players available to Hearts at the moment started that game. In terms of that 4-2-3-1 system that... Stephen Naismith deployed with Clark in goals, Atkinson right back, Cochrane left, Sibick um, in roles in the centre, Devlin and Haring the sitters, Oda, Shanklin, Mackay the supporting three to Janelli up front. That certainly seems to be the preferred approach for Naismith. And in terms of, again, who we've got available, obviously Hart's still missing quite a few um, big names. There's probably not too many tweaks that Stephen Naismith can really put to that team. No. No, Cochrane was was back for his appearance in the middle of a, a two game ban. It's it's a team that probably most would have would have gone with um, uh, Natty Atkinson at um, at right back. Obviously, the James Hill Natty Atkinson. I think on the front foot, you want a player who's going to try and get forward. I noticed with Natty Atkinson, I thought he had a really good game against yeah, Aberdeen. Yeah, he 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 kind of played in a in a, a more forward. He reminded me a little bit of how Pep uses his. His fullbacks and how he uses Rico Lewis or Kyle Walker or whoever's playing in the fullback position. I mean, I think the- Stephen Naismith, to be fair, I think Stephen Naismith is kind of looking at emulating, you know, Apostacoglu, Guardiola, whoever you want to refer to. It is that kind of approach, isn't it, with, with how he's tried to set out his heart's team? It's easy to try and set up a team like that. You've got to have the players to be able to play it. And I think Natty Atkinson's far more comfortable when he's going forward. For me, he's not a player who shirks responsibility uh, when it comes to wanting the ball, when it comes to getting the ball. I'm all for a player trying something, and if it doesn't come off, then, okay, try it again and not be put off by that. We've spoken before about him at right back defensively. I think in a game like this, when you're expecting a lot of the ball, particularly with Aberdeen playing a 3-5-2, I think it it gave Natty Atkinson an opportunity to, to kind of push forward not just directly forward down the right-hand side, but also in field, and that's something that they were working on. So I thought he played well against Aberdeen. Certainly did, and that, yeah, I, I, by no means am I saying that it, it means that there's no credit to Stephen Naismith for the way Hearts have played, but certainly I think um, you see the similarities in the the, the tempo and the, the press and getting the ball forward quickly and using those full-backs as almost central midfielders at times, kind of dropping into the centre and and overloading the attacking areas. So um, it's not a no by by no means a criticism, quite the opposite, I would say, from, from referring to those other teams. Uh, in terms of the opening, Hearts, although Aberdeen, I think, started the game quite well, you know, Hearts really got to grip to things and looked the more dangerous side. But um, one of our big failings this season, and, you know, we're probably going to talk about it more by when we get to the end of the season review, set pieces, you know, I think we saw Hearts had yeah. the joint worst record um, from defending set plays in the league before uh, the latest round of fixtures. And another goal from a, a corner kick here. And unfortunately, Sander Clark really doesn't cover himself in glory, himself in glory with this one at all. Um, Toby Sibick won't be too pleased with, with his part in it, but I think on the whole, a corner coming from that left-hand side, right in on top of the six-yard box area, Sander Clark's just nowhere near it. And in the end, Matty Pollock, he's barely jumping to actually nod it in. It's a... Uh, a very disappointing goal to concede, and it's been one of our biggest issues all season. 
we, we, we just we can't defend set plays. We don't have the players to defend set plays. We don't have bullies in there. We 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 have after you Claude type defenders. It's on you go, do what you like. Ball to the back pole. I mean, how many times do we not learn? A simple deep ball headed back across goal or headed into the net is, is how they get us. Xander Clark's look suspect over cross balls. And none of them, none of the defenders, none of in fact, none of the team look capable um, or, or being able to understand how to defend set plays properly. Uh, I don't know what they work on, but they, they don't work on this well enough because it happens over and over again. Now, there was a stat earlier this week that was put out about the difference with Hearts when Craig Halkett plays and when Craig Halkett doesn't. When Craig Halkett doesn't play, we've got to find someone that's going to attack the ball. If the ball is, is scored from inside the six-yard box, that's, for me, that's goalkeeper's territory. So, again, if you're defending, sorry, if you're playing against Hearts, then it's, it's like playing against Leicester earlier this season. You know you're pretty much going to get at least one chance from a set play. And and we, ha we have to be better. Without Craig Halkett, we are a we are a mess from from set plays, and that's got to be something that's got to be worked on. Despite that, you would say the reaction from Hearts to going behind was very positive. They got back on the front foot, and um, Kelly Ross in the Aberdeen goal was very busy. He is a good stopper, and he was kept busy. I thought the Aberdeen defence was excellent, but I think that's also crediting Hearts for putting them under so much pressure. They were having to make tackles, they were having to put the bodies on the line, make blocks, the keeper was making saves. Um, and eventually we got the goal before the break, and it's going to go down as one of probably the most poignant Hearts goals, oh, I think. Right. Um, we knew that there would be a tribute to, to David Stewart, the uh, sadly departed Hearts fan who passed away at the age of just 42. He was, although I didn't know myself, by all accounts, he was a, a very well-liked man and um, someone who was very popular, a big family man, and just very sad to see anyone, obviously, leave us at such a young age. So a very poignant tribute. And the Hearts fans rising to their feet. There was a big banner in Section N and there was also his kind of picture up on the, the screens at Tynecastle, And then... Uh, lo and behold, as the stadium um, stands to acclaim uh, a recently departed Hearts fan, Josh Ginelli comes up with an absolutely fantastic strike and levels things up. And it was a, a very powerful moment, I think. Oh, incredible. And then when you see the video that was posted on social media of the fans, the applause, them on their feet, and then for, for the camera to pan to to Josh Ginelli just seconds before he pings one into the top bin. I, I mean, that was, I'm sorry, it was like you were cutting onions. There wasn't a dry eye in the house for that one. And th there's been a couple of times, and I was just trying to look back. I'm sure the first game after Stefano Salvatore sadly passed away, and also the first game after Mario Zaliukas sadly passed away, I think we came close to scoring in both of those games in the minute that there was an applause. I think in the 26th minute after Zal um, passed away in the first game after that, I think we came close and and you, you you just wonder and for for that to happen and and something about the goal as well. It, it wasn't. A, I mean, any goal's great. Don't get me wrong, but for that goal, the way it was scored, top corner. I mean, that was an absolute beauty. And uh, I'm sure David, wherever he is, is smiling down on it. Yeah, we'll, we'll listen back to that one just now. And there's a big banner over above section end to honour him. His heart's come forward. Ginelli, lovely effort. What a goal! Josh Ginelli! 
with an absolute wonder strike. And I think that one was for David Stewart, whose image is still up on the screen to our left. His name is still up on the banner in section N. And Josh Ginelli pays tribute to a proper hearts man with a proper hearts goal, whipping it into the top right corner. And finally, hearts are level. Hearts of Midlothian won. Aberdeen won. So that got us level at the break, and that just changed the com- the complexion mm. of things, didn't it, Mark? I mean, if you, you always want to try and um, go into the break on a bit of a high, you know, if you're the team defending a lead, if you get in at half time, you feel like you can regroup, you can go again. Um, if you're the team attacking, you feel like if you can get an equaliser, you know, it gives the crowd a little boost, it gives your players a little boost, and it just changes the tide a little, doesn't it, for the second half? So I think that really did change the feeling around Tyne Castle. It did. But this was a this was a strange game in that having seen their lineup and the players that they were missing, I never felt particularly threatened by their lineup. And it was a game that even when they went ahead, I never felt, oh, that's it, game's over. I, I always felt we, we would I'm not saying win the game. I always felt we'd get back into it. And after Janelli scored, sometimes the worst thing that can happen if you if you have momentum going into half time is the halftime whistle. But I thought we started the second half well. Look, we could have been 2-0 down. I thought there was a bit of a hangover in the first half from the St Mirren game. Um, it wasn't the quick start that we've seen in some games at Tynecastle. It certainly wasn't the quick start we saw in the game against Celtic. But in the game against Celtic in the 43rd minute, the game changed because that's when we had that ridiculous decision to send off Alex Cochran. And in the 43rd minute in this game, that's when the game changed and Josh Ginelli with the equaliser. And and I have to say, at, at halftime, I've, I've, I've been plenty worried before. And you've got all your things ready to kind of, not post on social media, but your thoughts about this, that and the other thing. And, and the Ginelli goal changes the mood. And we came out, we built on the momentum that we had. And I don't think it was any surprise when, when Lauren Shankland um, scored the goal watching, I mean, I was up at the golf um, and I didn't have to start until, basically I didn't have to drive to the golf until the full-time whistle. So I was able to to watch Hearts TV until then. And it wasn't until you mentioned the possibility of, of offside. Because when it was played in initially, my thought was, ooh, that's tight. And then when I saw the replay, I thought, shit, I think yeah. he may have gone one step too far. But it's not the defender in the middle. Having looked at it again and not not stopped or anything like that and had slow motion or anything, I think it's the defender on the far side where the ball has come in from that's just playing Shankland um, on side. But how many times have we asked for it? Get it wide, get it in. And getting it wide, fine. You've got to get it in with quality. What a delivery that was. And when you've got a guy who's scored as many goals as he has, it's it's just instinct, isn't it? Some go in, some go wide perfect goal and there was a nervy moment when it was checked because I was a wee bit anxious um, given the way that VAR has worked in recent weeks but once it went 2-1 I was never, to be honest, never overly concerned that we wouldn't win that game um, even with the pressure near the end. I just don't think they had the quality um, that, that troubled us. Yeah, well, let's listen back to that winning goal now from Lawrence Shankland. Cochran makes the overlapping run. Here he is now. Alex Cochran, early ball. ball. Shankland with the touch. 2-1 hearts! What a ball. It's the finisher supreme. Lauren Shankland 
on target again. Great move from Hart. Cochrane from the left. And Shanklin win goal number 27 of the season from close range. Hart and Lothian 2. Aberdeen 1. So that's 56 minute. Great ball in from Cochrane, as you say, and Shanklin. Just lethal in front of goal. I don't think you can underestimate that finish as well. It's not the easiest. The ball's coming in at him at quite a pace. It's bouncing up. And just to control it high into the net, I think just shows what a, a good player he is for Hearts. And yeah, up to 27 goals with that one. Um, I mean, overall through the game, I think the good thing with Hearts, so, you know, we've had lots of possession a lot of times this season, but just much more potent with it, actually carving out chances making defenders um, take evasive action, keeping the goalkeeper busy, you know, 60 plus percent possession again, but 30 attempts at goal, same, same amount of attempts that we had against Ross County. Mm. And it's just a very, it's a very exciting brand of football to watch that we've we've played in those games, certainly that Stephen Naismith has managed to implement. I think from an Aberdeen perspective, you know, we'll, we'll get onto the, the midweek games and obviously the fact that they have eventually secured third, but uh, for me, there is a little bit of disappointment around it. And it's not to say, you know, uh, the team that finishes third deserve to finish third because, yeah, well, agreed. that's where they are in the league. Um, I, I guess for me, it's more of a disappointment ourselves because you look at the Aberdeen team. Yep, they were missing the likes of Shinny and Duke, who are big players. They're not better but, than us, even with um, other players available. But, uh, but Barry Robson, the Aberdeen team, he's made them solid. They've dug out some yeah. results. A couple of flair players. There's not an awful lot there. I mean, this is going to feel like a season where Hearts just needed to be even average throughout the season to probably get third but in the end we've we've just been below par and, and it, it, we've looked ourselves to blame 100% 100% this is the role reversal Aberdeen podcasts last May probably talking about how Hearts didn't have to be great to finish third and I don't think we were great to finish third last season I think we're consistent yeah I think we were solid and that that's Aberdeen have been consistent at the right areas and the right times. And that win over, over Rangers, ultimately, the, the one at Pataudry just before the top six split, that, that's pretty much secured what it's secured for them in, in third spot. We, we, can't have any, we can't have any complaints because they've done to us what we probably did to everyone else last season. I don't think it takes, it's hard to say, I don't think it takes that much to finish third, but I don't. I think if if we, not this we recruit, season, I mean, no, you, you look but, at but but that's the thing, Laurie. I'd, we we've had two spells this season. We've, it was tough when we were playing Thursday Sunday when we were in Europe. We knew that was going to be the case. Now you could go back to the recruitment in the summer and say, was it enough? Knowing that we were going to have these extra games, and did we have the squad depth? You could go back to the injuries. I mean, the injuries have been absolutely key, and there's nothing you can do about that because the whole spine of our team has been ripped out. And you can go back to the January recruitment as well. That wasn't good enough. That's been proven, that it wasn't good enough. Should they have gone and pushed the boat out more for Callum Patterson? Was that ever a deal that could have been done if it had been, okay, we'll give you even more money? Because I think they went in with at least a couple of bids. Would Callum Patterson have have made the difference. I just think the January recruitment was poor when we were in a position of strength. And ultimately, yeah, Robbie Nielsen deserves some of the blame. Yeah, the, the players deserve some of the blame. But I think so does Joe Savage and and, and the recruitment of the football club um, for, for not getting enough quality in, in January. I'm sure they tried, but ultimately we were in a position of strength when that January transfer window closed and then it went to shit. Now, 
that's the way it is. And and when it did that, Aberdeen started to to pick up around March, April time. No one should be in that position and, and not continue where they were and, and follow through um and, and secure third spot. We were miles clear and we just we we just fell off a precipice. And that's unacceptable. So you can look back, blame culture is that's modern day now, but you have to learn from that. If we're in that position again, what do we need to do better? And it's not an individual blame, it's a collective blame, because we should not be right now sitting here saying we could have been third, because we should have been third, not could have been third, and we're not. And it'll probably cost the club five million, because we're going to be unseeded if we do finish fourth, even if we finish fifth. The, the likelihood is, is if Celtic win the cup, it's still going to be very difficult for the team that doesn't finish third to get group stage football next season. So by doing that, we've probably cost the club five million, which is a lot of money. And not only that, if we'd managed to get back to back group stage football with the money that was shelled out for this year, I think a couple of million, uh, according to Andrew McKinley, that money yeah. doesn't have to be spent again. So you've got the full five million plus any wins or anything like that profit. And we've lost that. And we've missed out on that. So it's it's bloody frustrating right now that that we're in fourth. Of course we could be playing group stage football next season because we have an unbelievable campaign in the summer, but we've got to learn lessons. And and the whole club, um, everybody involved in decision-making or anything like that, it's, it's a chance lost. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. So moving on, Hearts emerged victorious at the weekend to keep themselves within touching distance of Aberdeen going into the penultimate uh, round of matches. That was a Wednesday night full Premiership card. Hearts travelling to Ibrox <clears throat> to play Rangers. Aberdeen were hosting St Mirren and just below them, Hebs were hosting Celtic. Now, we felt the likelihood was Aberdeen would get a result against St Mirren, which meant Hearts would probably have to go to Ibrox and try and get a victory. And nevertheless, a, a draw would not be of much use um, and even if Aberdeen weren't to get a win, a draw wouldn't change things. We'd still probably have to go and win the final game of the season. So it, it gave us that sort of target. Go to Ibrox and win. Take care of our game. Maybe hope that St Mirren do us a favour, but we knew we couldn't rely on that. Uh, very early on, it was clear that obviously Aberdeen would be winning that game. They they got ahead and they got a man up. But in terms of the game here at Ibrox, Mark, looking at the team, uh, a couple of changes Forrest in for Mackay, maybe not too much surprise there, a bit more pace about Forrest and Barry Mackay has not been his best this season, maybe looking for some more legs in there, and Hill in for Cochrane, now Cochrane was suspended the second match he was suspended for, so we knew he would miss out, but in came James Hill, and there was a little bit of debate about what the formation would be, but what Stephen Naismith wanted to do was put Kai Rolls at left back and he was trying to keep that relatively quiet, I think. What did you make of that in terms of a setup at the back? I mean, we, we conceded two goals, ultimately two mistakes. At the back, I mean, they've, they've worked on it. I've said it before, Kai Rolls has the potential to be a really top-class defender, but he's not kicked on since the World Cup, like we would have hoped. And 
you're 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 taking a chance um, by playing someone in a position that hasn't played that often before. Certainly for Hearts, when you've got someone like Andy Halliday who could play the position, Halliday probably more of a wing back. Yeah, again, defensively. I think if the choice is Halliday at left back or Rolls at left back or whoever at left back, um, you, you probably go with a more defensive minded one of the two. I mean, they, what did they have? Morelos and Sakala up top. They were pretty narrow. Their attack was pretty narrow. Their width would be provided by certainly the fullback on the right hand side, Tavernier. So Naismith's maybe thought that Rolls has got a better chance of, as a defender, um, being able to stop Tavernier. So I think our options are limited. I'm just looking at the starting yeah. 11 now. I would have four of those team out of that team, probably four starting next season. Janelli, Shankland, Devlin, and Rolls. That tells us we've got a lot of work to do. Atkinson, fringe player. Sebek, fringe player. Hill, no, nah, back you go. Haring, fringe player. Oda needs to work on a lot, needs to learn a little, but he's got a lot of talent. Fringe player, squad player. Forrest, no, not for me. Janelli and Shankland. Rolls and Devlin, and even Devlin in the middle of the park. Again, probably Devlin and Beningham is, is is a good option, but we don't know if Benny's going to get up to speed quickly. That leaves seven players. Now, of those seven players, when Craig Gordon's fit, he takes up one spot. That leaves six. When Liam Boyce is fit, does he take up another spot? Probably. That leaves five. Craig Halkett, when he's fit, of course he does. It's him and, and Rolls at the back. That leaves four. So you've got, who am I missing? Benny Beningamy. Did I say him? Beningamy, Boyce, mm -hmm. Gordon, and but Halkett. If, but if you're so starting Shanklin and Janelli, it's going to be very hard to shoehorn Boyce into there as well, given we? given how effective Janelli's been when he's been the kind of the nine through the middle. Yeah, I, keep, no, I, I keep Janelli where he is. I keep Janelli. I mean, Look, we're assuming and we're hoping that all the players that have been out long term are going to get back to where they were. That'll take a different amount of time. It might never happen to some of them because if you've had a serious injury, there's no guarantee you're going to get back to your best. It, I'm saying if these players get back to the way that they were playing before they got hurt, of the seven last night, bring in four, that's still three players I think we need to, to sign. I think we need to sign a right back. I think we need to sign backup for the center, central defense if it's Rolls and Halkett um, in there. I'd go Beningamy and Devlin with Haring as a kind of backup. Oda's a backup for me down the right-hand side. I think, I mean, Barry Mackay is an interesting one as well because Barry needs to step up and he's he's flatlined. We're not we're not seeing the... In, 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 I mean, we're seeing spells, moments. That's not enough. We need consistency. So... I think there's there's wide areas. I mean, what if we're playing Ginelli through the middle? Which I, I, you made a good point when we were chatting on on the WhatsApp group to play against Rangers or Celtic to stretch them. You need that pace up top. I'd keep Ginelli where he is, and I'd play Shankland and Boyce in behind. I know this four two three one is is kind of favoured right now, and we've dabbled with the three at the back, which didn't really work. I'm I'm all for put the players in the best position that suits and then build a formation around. Don't try and do a jigsaw where you're trying to shoehorn pieces in just because yeah. this is the formation that you want. Play your best players, right? Our best players, a lot of them are out injured right now, so they all come back. So if it's Boyce and Shankland in behind Janelli, I'm all for that. How do we fit the rest in? Well, we make it work. 
whether we play a three at the back, whether we play a four at the back, but Boyce and Shanklin behind Janelli, that's your focal point middle to front. Fit the rest in as is. But that's what I would do, and I'd keep Janelli and his pace there with, with, with Shankland and Boyce next season playing off him. Can't disagree with that. Um, well, one thing about the game, uh, started at a fair pace. Hearts came out at Rangers in the opening seconds, won themselves a throw-in, um, lofted into the box by James Hill, who has had a fair few good games himself. I thought he was excellent in this match. A, a very unfortunate slip that we'll get to. But his long throw causing problems. It's flicked on. It's half cleared by Rangers. Shanklin back into the six-yard box. Janela gets a touch, and Shanklin eventually knocks it over the line to give Hearts the lead. Pretty much bang on a minute. Uh, the flag up straight away, though, and... We were a little bit, I don't say, no, we weren't a little bit. We were extremely confused up in the gantry over the next two minutes as this one is checked by VAR. And we were both kind of looking at each other, Robert Borthwick and myself, thinking, are we missing something here? Why did they keep freezing it? And they're talking about getting the lines drawn. I'm like, there's two players way, like, yards. <laughs> Um, in front of Janelli and Shankland, playing them both on, and there's actually a third player who's pretty much in line as well. I just this is that they don't help themselves sometimes, do the officials? How that one took so long and why the flag was up so quickly is absolutely beyond me. If you do a search for Frank Connor, assistant referee, and Hearts, there's a lot that comes up. How much okay. do Hearts? So I've just done that. I'm going to take you back to uh, December 2021, Livingston Hearts. Remember that one when Hearts won by a goal to nil? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, David Boys Martin, goal, wasn't it? Yep. David Martindale branded linesman Frank Connor arrogant and fears his blunder could cost him his job. The Livingston boss was incensed when the assistant referee flagged Bruce Anderson offside as he raced clear on goal. He was even angrier when Connor told him he only had himself to blame for the 1-0 home loss to Hearts. Um, Bruce Anderson supposedly was well onside, um, but the linesman told him he wasn't his fault when we got beat. Okay, that's that, that's just in, in isolation. But then you look further and you see May the 1st, 2022 from a Rangers website. Assistant referee Frank Connor, they call him Francis Connor, wonder why that would be, made another shocking, glaring mistake today, just a couple of weeks after his last one at Hamden. Then you get a Celtic website, April 2026, for the second Saturday running. Frank Connor will be assistant referee at a Celtic match, blah, blah, blah. So there, there's history here that there's mistakes made. Now, we all make mistakes. I, I, I get that. But there is... Uh, having a look back, the only thing I can think of is he thinks, and remember, it doesn't have to be the goalkeeper. It has to be two players yeah. that are closer to goal. So the only thing I can think of is he thinks that Ginelli, Shankland, or whoever is 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 in an offside position. But you're right. Why on earth does it take as long as it as it does to clarify something that was clear without VAR that it shouldn't have been flagged? And it's just another it's another reason to to have a go and not that we didn't need or didn't have enough anyway it's 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 a system that isn't quite broken but they're making it look like it is there was nothing wrong with the goal 
but we wasted two minutes to find out that there was nothing wrong with the goal. So the assistant referee needs to do better. And also the video assistant referee and his team need to do better as do the referee and his assistant. It's a mess. Yeah. I mean, they get to the right call, but I, th- I guess one thing, because even in my, in, in commentary, the flag was up so quickly that I immediately said the flag's up. Um, and these days, you know, they tell them, unless you're absolutely certain, don't raise the flag because obviously it'll get checked. So if if, if it's, if it's tight, let it run. And if, if it is an offside, then obviously it'll get corrected. So it ruined that. There wasn't much in the way of celebration. And it just kind of takes something away. And I, obviously I wasn't in the away end, so I wouldn't have been able to get involved in any limbs anyway. But it just, for me, it just kind of, it just, that's when I really don't like it. And it's like, I just assumed there must have been a, a very likely a reason for the flag being up. I couldn't see it initially in real time, but you know, you don't really think about it sometimes. So you put a flag up, obviously, maybe there's something I've not noticed. But as soon as the first replay came up, we just went, it's a goal. There's there's actually three players. There's one player who's in line with Ginelli, but then there's also two players behind him. So that's... Mm-hmm. Tavernier's nearly on the anyway. goal line. Yeah. And I was like, unless it, it, unless he, even if he's somehow not seen Tavernier, he should still be on. But then how would he have not seen Tavernier? Because he's, he's there. He's not even like right on the line. So you maybe be somehow maybe just not seen because of the post it it just seemed bizarre but I, I don't want to focus on it too much because the goal was given the right decision was reached thankfully and hearts had the lead and you know suddenly start to maybe believe something could be on here and i have to say i thought in this first half hearts um were, were good now that you know they weren't trying to batter down the door against rangers which you know they you wouldn't expect them to anyway it's still a tough place to go i brooks they had a pretty strong team out rangers but they were very organised. I thought James Hill was superb at the back. Um, I thought he was really solid, good interceptions, good blocks, reading the game well. Sander Clark made a couple of decent saves when he was called upon. And when we did break, we, we used Janelli's pace pretty well. He got in behind, forced a save from McGregor. I, I thought we were approaching the game very well. But we're coming down to these individual moments again. And I think it sums up our season, these like either moments of misfortune or errors um, just blunders etc uh, it's maybe a bit of game management here as well we're into the third added minute of three added minutes at the end of the first half hearts are coming forward um looks to be a big chance actually shanklin's just trying to lay it off to devlin he just under hits it slightly and allows, allows rangers to pick up possession now this is the final 10-15 seconds of the half and we've overcommitted. so we obviously committed quite a few bodies forward so rangers break through there's a huge bit of fortune after Morelos slides it through to Cantwell because James Hill just basically loses his foot and tumbles over and it breaks straight for Cantwell. Keeps his composure. He's on a good run of form. Slides it past the goalkeeper to level. Um, so a bit of misfortune with James Hill, but at the same time, is that some slight naivety there that you know, you're know you in the final seconds of the half, you're about to go into the break, Ibrox 1-0 up. And fair enough, you know, you it's not that you wouldn't want to try and score a second goal, but we put so many bodies forward that the Rangers' counter-attack was pretty decisive. Game hey, management. Take you back prior to that. and You'll have to help me out here with who put the... or who overhit the through ball. Hearts were on the counter, and it might even have been two on two at the back, or we might have had uh, numbers. And it was played through for Ginelli to run onto, but it was hit too hard, and it went all the way through to Alan McGregor. You remember that? It was, I don't know, half an hour gone or something. It was definitely in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. So whoever it was, it's just a... Hart's performance was fine at Ibrox, but you you need to have these individual moments 
when you have possession of the ball and you have a chance, you need to be better at them and you need to put them under pressure. So an overhit through ball, when you've got a big opportunity to play the right pass and not overhit it, that can be the difference between success and failure. At a venue, you know you're not going to have as much of the ball as them and you've you've got to take advantage when, when you do have it. So whether it's that, whether it's the, the overhit pass, whether it's the game management, you mentioned it was Shanklin that 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 tried the pass and it, it didn't come off. You've got to be aware, but you can't legislate for slips. I get that. But again, this this is where I want to rewind 25 minutes or so, that, that what we were talking about. We need pace in the middle of the park. Sorry, having pace to run in behind in Josh Ginelli. We're sluggish. We don't cover enough ground, but we don't cover enough ground quick enough. And that... I'm not saying could easily have been stopped, but A, we'd overcommitted. You're right about that. But B, we need energy in the middle of the park with quality, not just someone that's going to run around and, and put tackles in. Kami does that. We need someone with a, a calm head but can also get around quicker than Peter Haring was able to and others have been able to to do. We have what we have. We conceded the goal a horrible time, and the annoying thing is that it gave them the momentum. Yeah, and they took it at the start of the second half. Yeah, it's a role reversal from the weekend when Hearts got the level against Aberdeen and changed the complexion. Obviously, Rangers went in at the break um, with their tails up, and they started the second half with a good tempo. They went in front in under two minutes, and it's really you know it's what two 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 and a half minutes of match time that Hearts have lost this game really well I know it's a draw in the end we should say lost their chance at third place that's the way I should phrase it uh, because goal right in the final seconds of the first half then opening two minutes of the second half Cantwell just plays a hopeful ball over the top really looking to maybe try and use Sakala's pace in behind and Toby Simic's an interesting one I noticed you didn't include him in your your kind of players you'd have starting next season and it's probably moments like this that are I'd imagine swaying your decision on that because it's it's kind of a bread and butter one. He's there well before the defender. Um, I wasn't quite sure that the header back to the goalkeeper was on, but even if it is, he needs to execute a lot better than he did. In the end, he he just cushions the header for for Sakala to come through and mm. and roll at home. And it's it, it's it's a really it's an unforced error. And you know, I know they they record these in tennis they don't tend to record them in football although I'm sure these days there's an opta stat somewhere but in terms of unforced errors uh, mm-hmm. I imagine we would be very high percentage wise yeah. in the league on those Peter Haring came to Hearts as a centre back and he's pretty much played throughout as a defensive midfielder and when he's been in his best form he's excelled he's been great in there Toby Civic came to Hearts first time around probably as a defensive midfielder yeah and he's become a centre-back. I would have... I'd be working on Toby Civic as a defensive midfielder for next season. Not necessarily as a starter. But the boy can pass a ball. right? He's, he's, a, he's a good footballer. And he can pass a football. Good bit of pace as well. He's got a good bit of pace. And that's something we, we don't have in that area. So if, if I've got two from four for next season. If I've got Beningami, Devlin, Haring, and Civic 
And you can throw, I, I don't know what Andy Halliday's best position is, but you can certainly play in there. I think that's good. Depending on, on whoever the new manager is, what position he wants to take up, what tactics he wants to play and which formation he wants to use. Toby Civic, as a central defender, is fine with time on the ball. And, and he's, he's fine. We've, we've got to be better than fine. James Hill's another one. And if we're playing a four next season, and it's Kai Rolls and Craig Halkett, then James, Hill's, James Hill is playing backup. Now, we've seen good moments, very good moments from, from James Hill. And there's definitely a footballer in there. But I wouldn't play him right now ahead of... I think Rolls needs to improve. Could you play Hill and Halkett? That doesn't say much about Rolls, but yeah, you, you could. But this is a low knee. I think if he was ours, we'd make it work, but he's he's a loanee. So that's why some might keep him. I think I think we can identify other areas of the pitch that are more in need of spending a chunk of cash on a on a loan signing. So Civic for me, I think we're we're just we're too soft at the back. Um I need I need a bully. I need power, I need strength. We call the top centre backs in the world. They can play. But they're tall, they're powerful, they're strong. They attack the ball from set plays. We don't have that. So that's what I'm doing with Toby Civic next season. I'm working on him as a defensive midfielder to, to have that bit more pace in there, to have an ability when it comes to passing in there. And I use him in case of emergency as a centre-back. I, I want to see him as a defensive midfielder going forward. What do you think? I'm I'm still unsure on this one. I mean, Toby Civic, so he certainly, I would imagine he's not going anywhere unless someone comes in with a bid. And he could be seen as someone with resale value. We know there was all obviously interest from down south in the last transfer window. But he signed a three and a half year deal when Hearts bought him from Barnsley last January. So he's here till what, 2020, summer of 2025. So still another two years. Um, now, I guess in terms of his attributes, you know, we, we know he's got a bit of pace, but he is, you know, he's six foot two. I think in terms of physical strength, I think he has it there. I think obviously what you're meaning is his kind of strength as a, a centre back. He doesn't maybe use that in the way that like a Craig Halkett would in terms of no. yeah, in in one on one battles as the ball comes into the box, getting close to players, um being yeah, being strong in those defensive positions, being aggressive sometimes in those defensive positions. So I, I I'm I, I I think they definitely need some work. I'm not completely against him being a centre-back. I think he's looked really good at times when he had that back three and when he had certain players around him. I think the problem has often been that both him and Rolls have got the same issues. There's mm-hmm. there's actually, they're both good footballers. I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, they've both shown in a lot of games that they they absolutely can perform at the level Hearts need them to at times, but they both seem a little bit maybe maybe naive is not the word, but just not they don't have like they just don't they're not a Craig Halkett at the back. They're not your old fashioned centre back. Um and if a team wants to bully them and and try and I guess mix up with them, they've sometimes I guess they've they've both faded in games and they've maybe needed a Halkett alongside them. So I think, well, a Halkett alongside Rolls or a Halkett alongside Civic might have been a different story. So I think as long as there's work on him, I think I've still got hopes as a player there. You know, think how much we were raving about him um, 
after he kicked on after the RFS game. So I'm, uh, I wouldn't be against him moving into that midfield role. I think he's definitely got a big part to play because he has got that versatility and um, and he is going to be at the club unless a bid comes in. So uh, I may be more open to being a centre-back, but I definitely think we need to work on what our kind of partnership or if it was mm-hmm. if someone comes in having to play a three, how that's kind of structured. And I'd like to see a, someone come in and work on them defensively, whether that's a specific coach who focuses on the defensive area, I don't know. Um, I think, I think Laurie, if we play a three next season, I could see him playing a hybrid role. I could see him potentially being one of the three, but that would be the one that pushes forward and becomes a defensive midfielder when we have the ball. Think of what they've done with John Stones. Now, John Stones, among some, was a laughing stock. At Manchester City, John Stones is a ball-playing centre-back. Okay, I'm not comparing John Stones with Toby Civic. I'm just saying the improvement, man-to-man coaching, individual coaching, learning a position. John Stones over the last six months. I mean, he's he's still playing as a centre-back in certain games, but then they push him forward to a holding yeah. midfielder alongside Rodri in other games. So. Football, modern-day football is evolving. And that will annoy a lot of the old brigades that are like, <laughs> football's football. Right? You put the ball in the back of the net. Whatever formation you use. I get that. But hybrid players, players that can step forward when we have the ball. I like Toby Civic as, as I trust him with the ball. I don't trust him necessarily to try and defend a set play, but I don't trust any of the players from that. But I, I like his range of passing. And I, I think we could work on, on Toby Civic in that, yeah, you, we're not saying never play centre-back again, because I, right now I wouldn't have him in a four at the back. But that doesn't mean to say if we're playing a three, I could see him being, it used to be the sweeper, the spare guy would drop back. Now it's the spare guy pushes forward into midfield. So I could see that working as a three. I think I think there's enough potential there. I mean, we've signed him on a long-term deal. There was a bid that came in from him um, for, for Toby Civic. And if he can go from where he was to where he managed to get to, from fans willing to drive him south to fans singing his name, that's quite the turnaround. I'm not sure how much work that's going to take. I don't think it's as much as you might think. But I think he's a player that could play as a hybrid um, kind of defensive midfielder, centre back in a three. That's something for the next guy to work on. In terms of the second half in this game, it was a little bit of a non-event, unfortunately. In the end, after Rangers got ahead, it did feel like the confidence had drained from from Hearts. It was very low tempo. Rangers knocking the ball around. It turned into that end of season affair, and. Uh, I was a little disappointed that there maybe wasn't more of a, a kind of push, especially when we got to the final 20, then 15, then 10 minutes, as to more of our hearts going at it, just throwing everything at it. They knew they had to to try and find a win somehow. Um, news going in elsewhere. All the, re- the results were going the way we didn't want them to. Aberdeen were winning comfortably. Hibs turn, turned the game around against the second-string Celtic team. Um, they were winning that game. Uh a little glimmer um, at the end to to focus on, though Garan Kuhl came on, yet to really kick on at Hearts at all, just his ninth appearance, came off the bench and right at the death, right on 93rd minute, 
scored a goal. Did well, actually, um, involved in the build-up into the box, gets the ball back. A little break of it in terms of coming off a Rangers player, and he just stabs it home alive. And it won't really affect the table much in terms of um, positional advantage for Hearts to get a draw there, but it does end a seven-game losing streak against Rangers, and maybe gives Karan Kuhl a little bit of confidence. He certainly enjoyed the goal, um, maybe more than a few of the Hearts players like Lawrence Shanklin who are screaming at him to stop celebrating and get back up the park <laughs> so we could restart the game. I saw Craig Fowler's tweet about that. It's like, hey, son, we've still got a game to try and win, but it, it was, uh, what, did Rangers restart on the ref Lewis whistle? I mean, there yeah, was hardly was... any. It was basically just past ninety three when he hit it, and there was there were he was never going to play enough time. Arrestes um, Kiermaier kind of had a, a look at him and put his arms out and said, "Could you not have at least given us one attack?" <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was never. It's a conundrum, though, isn't it? The whole Ganon Cool thing. And we all speak to different people. We all hear different things about how he's been and how others have been in, in training. The, the bottom line is, pests are pests. Nuisances are nuisances in the box. And sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time. Does it mean that we wish we would have seen more of him? Well, I don't want him to go back down south and, and kind of be out. I wonder what would have happened if we'd played him more type thing. We'll never know now. We'll see if he if he plays, if he's trusted to start against Hibs. I, I don't think he will be. I think he'll be on the bench again. He'll probably get another cameo role, and that'll probably be the end of his his heart's career. Is it a what might have been? Well, I think a lot depends on on where he ends up. Dimitri Mitchell, guys like that, um, Meshino, guys like that that have come on loan from from big clubs and haven't really done anything after leaving us, uh, and have been released by the the clubs that they were with. Who knows what's going to happen with with Garang Cool? It might be the case of. We look back in years to come and go, God, I wish we'd played him a bit more than, than we did. We'll never know. But you've got to earn your place in a squad. Never mind earn your place in a team. And if you're not performing in training, regardless of, of the tag that you come with, why should a manager throw you in, whether it's into the squad or, or into the, the 11, when you've got players that will do anything they can? I mean, look at Hart's bench last night and the youngsters. Um, that we're seeing. I mean, Mackenzie Tate was the youngster there. We've had James Wilson on the bench recently as well. That's going to be frustrating as hell if you've got a guy who's not bothering his arse in training. And and th this is all kind of uh, like subjective and hyperbole, and is that what actually happened? If the attitude wasn't great, and I don't know if it was or it wasn't, if the attitude wasn't great, why should he be put in a squad just because he's he's come north? You, you've, got to, you've got to earn it. And and that that was always something Robbie Nielsen said about the youngsters. They'll get the chance if they're if they're good enough if they if they earn it. Should there have been more youngsters involved during his time in charge? Probably, but only they know. Only the coaching staff know if the youngsters earned it. And for someone like Garan Cool, yeah, it's probably the last first and last goal that he scored um, in a Hearts jersey. And we'll never know. We'll we'll never know if he could have made more of an impact. I'm just intrigued to see what he does going forward in his football career. So Garan Cool levelled up, which meant Hearts earned a point at Ibrox, but it did wrap up third place in terms of the season. Aberdeen with a win against St Mirren, which put them four points ahead 
of Hearts going into the final weekend and Hibs closed the gap to two points on Hearts which meant that even fourth place is not quite done yet. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. So we'll look ahead now to the final game of the season. And um, just be- before I get to that, because it kind of it's related to it, um, I put a poll out on the Scarves Around the Funnel account earlier today. And the question I put out there was, where does everyone stand on Stephen Naismith as permanent Hearts manager at this point? So I gave the options of, are you for Naismith being the permanent manager, regardless of the result in the final game? Are you against Naismith being permanent manager, regardless of the result of this derby? Or would you be Naismith in, but only if he does win the game against Hibs? So out of those... Just 14% said they would be out. They'd be completely against Naismith at this point. So only 14% of the people surveyed were completely against Naismith at this point. 39% said in, regardless of the Hibs game. So they said they're for Naismith getting the job permanently, whatever happens in this game. 47%, so almost half, certainly the majority, are Naismith in if he wins the derby. So effectively, you've got a majority there who are saying um, this is an audition. This is a a chance to earn your spot as Hearts manager if you can get a good result. Because at the moment, Mark, from my perspective, I have to say I feel a bit deflated after Ibrox. In this game, it'll probably change when we get to Saturday and it's before the game and it's a derby, but you know, from hoping we could maybe fight for third to needing a result to avoid losing fourth, it's a bit harder to to get motivated for it, isn't it? What if we play really well against Hibs and get nothing from the game? Or what if we play horrible against Hibs and beat them? Does that change the viewpoint of Stephen Naismith? (laughs) The answer to this is, don't know. Quite simply, we don't know because we don't know... We don't know what we don't know. We are unaware. That's true. You don't don't know what you don't know. We are unaware of the candidates that are potentially being considered. I mean, you saw the reaction when Barry Anderson put a piece out that John Kennedy might be considered. And it was like, don't you dare. And that's it. I'm I'm done. I mean, it's as if sometimes it's as if social media is the be all and end all of right. Well, it was on social media. It said we did a vote. We did a poll on social media. You did. You got 851 votes. Now, that's, that's all right. But it's a tiny percentage of the hearts supporters. It's like Ron DeSantis over here. His people are saying, Oh, it didn't work. The announcement last night with Elon Musk and he broke Twitter. Absolute bullshit. Right, he didn't break. Tw- you look at the numbers. Look at the people in the country. Look at how many people voted. Look at how many people actually were involved in that broadcast last night. It's it's just a very it's a tiny percentage. That was zero point one five percent of people tuned in last night of the the U.S. population. Don't give me the shite about breaking Twitter. Social media has its benefits, but it's a small small sample size. But there are several people at several football clubs, no specific names, just in general, that have 
that put too much emphasis on what happens on social media. Now, it's like the loudest in the room. It's always going to be heard, somehow. So of the 851 votes, 47% say that Stephen Naismith's in only if you beat Hibbs. 38.9% in regardless of, of the Hibbs result, and 14.1% say out. Who are the other candidates? If the other candidates are going to be better, then does that change your opinion on it? But until we know, until Stephen Naismith should certainly be considered, but it should be considered among all the candidates, and then it should be weighed up. Do you know what? There might be candidates who are still in charge of teams that haven't even applied yet because their season hasn't ended. So there's a, there's a lot of, of work to be done here. I don't want this to drag on. I don't want no. this to be an appointment at the end so of if July. If we're in Europe, in Europe, it'll be... Correct. It'll be very mid, early. Mid, mid to late July, depending on, obviously, other factors in, that were... Exactly. So friendlies exactly. will be starting... Towards June. the end, late of June at the latest, yeah. maybe even earlier. Well, exactly, that's a month away. So exactly. th this can drag on. I'm pretty sure that the Hearts board will have done their due diligence. They've got many CVs to to look over. They might be getting more in. It's up to them to decide. It's a small sample size. I think it's it's been an improvement under Stephen Naismith, without a doubt. I think we're getting forward quicker. I think we're creating more. I think the fans have enjoyed the good parts um, a lot. You've got to question the bad parts, the St Mirren performance for the majority. Um, the Celtic second half you can throw away. I think there's been more good than bad. But is that St Mirren performance? How much of that's on Stephen Naismith? If we're talking about, for me, only four of the, the, the starters from last night would start next season. I think this is a very, very difficult decision to make because who are we aiming for? How much money do we have to spend on a new manager? What would that new manager want if he was to come in under a big wage? Well, the likelihood is he'd want, to, he'd want a lot of money to spend. Do we have that? Should we promote from youth? We probably need three or four new signings. Is Stephen Naismith the right person for that? I, I don't know. Is, is the answer. And it's, it, that, it should be... That was a long be, way of saying you don't know. <laughs> I said it right at the start. But it should not be It should not be determined based on the Hibs result. Because as I said, they could play really well and not get a win. Or they could play really poorly and, and fluke a, a victory. So but I, I wouldn't want to make this decision. Put it that way. And I think someone would have to be really good to 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 kind of jump to the top of of the list because right now I think Stephen Naismith's got a decent chance of keeping the role. In terms of uh, we got some tweets about it. Mike Hamilton said, "Unless we get tanked in the derby, it wouldn't impact my opinion. I think he's shown himself to be a very strong candidate. He's done brilliantly, but whether he gets a job depends on the caliber of the other contenders. Something 100%. as fans we don't have visibility of." Um, Adam says the sad thing is for me it's cutthroat business and I feel if he loses Saturday his chances of getting the job will hang by a thread but realistically if you look at the bigger picture of the position we are in he wasn't doing um, and the style and performance of the results are night and day um, Sam says ideally someone with a similar playing style approach to Stephen Naismith but with more of a track record in senior management would be good keep Naismith as their assistant with the promise that this should be the manager should the manager be headhunted Stephen Naismith would be first name on the succession plan Raz McDonald said he had to get third to get the job. Surely, definitely been more positive going forward, but that's not enough for me. 
Um, uh, let's see what else we got. Jam Tart says, in as long as he doesn't get beat by Hibs. There you go. Um, Burke Landers says, I think we firstly need to get through the Hibs game successfully and then let the dust settle and assess. I erred on the side of an established ex experienced manager, but I have to say that so far, I've really like, liked what I've seen from Stephen Naismith. A bit too early to call it, though. Um, and Bry Pye says, none of the above. I'm not specifically against Naismith getting the job, but I think it's worth waiting until the end of the season to see who else might be available. Um so Naismith won two, drawn two, and lost yeah. two so far. So let's quickly, Hibs game, big game at the weekend. Mm -hmm. What are you expecting? I mean, I take it's going to be a, a similar sort of lineup for Hearts, similar sort of approach, and really looking to end the game in a high. And although if Celtic do win the Cup, fourth and fifth, it's not a huge difference, but you do not want to end the season beaten by Hibs and letting them leapfrog us. It, it would just be the kind of the final humiliation of a, what's ended up being a disappointing campaign. Yeah, this is about pride. Because for all the Hearts fans who've said, "Oh, this is what kind of Hibs team this is," and even the Hibs fans are saying, "This is this is not a good Hibs team," and the majority of them want their manager fired. That tells you all about the the Hibs team right now. It'd be ignominy if they finished above Hearts. It's about pride. I expect the same that we got against Celtic in the first half. I expect the same that we got in response to Aberdeen going behind. I expect the same as we got against Ross County. I expect us to take the game to them. I expect us to win. I expect us to finish above them. What we're we going with prediction wise, give us a scoreline and a goal scorer mark. Two one. Ginelli. You. Okay. Let's add a goal to it. Let's go three one in Shankland. We not one of us or any of our guests this season. Have been spot on. That's that's not good enough. It's it's time to leave the best to last. I'd take out final, those results. Final weekend of the season, we'll get something bang on, and Rangers will concede a penalty. No <laughs> chance. Come Which? on. Both. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, we'll be back next week to discuss whatever happens. We're hoping that Hearts will end the season with some kind of high note. Um, if you want to get in touch in the meantime, you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk or tweet us at Around the Funnel. One game to go, and let's hope we can at least salvage fourth spot ahead of the summer. Until next week, thanks for tuning in. Mm -hmm.